Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary issues that drive health outcomes. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. Its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. Hello, this is William Selmer for AJHP Voices. I'm speaking with two authors of the paper entitled Participation of a Coordinating Center Pharmacy in a Multi-Center International Study. With me is Dr. Ji-Yoon Esther-Jun, Clinical Research Pharmacist, and Janet Mighty, Director, Investigational Drug Service, Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. Let me first give some basic information about this article. It is based on a clinical trial entitled Clot Lysis, Evaluating Accelerated Resolution of Intraventricular Hemorrhage, Phase 3, known as the CLEAR-3 study, which was sponsored by Dr. Daniel Hanley, Head of Brain Injury Outcomes at Johns Hopkins. The primary aim of the clinical trial was to determine if rapid removal of intraventricular hemorrhage clot with low-dose recombinant tissue plasminogen activator improves patient outcomes compared to standard medical care. The study design was multi-center, international, double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized, parallel group. Study sites included more than 90 institutions in the U.S., U.K., Germany, Hungary, Brazil, Spain, Switzerland, and Israel. Primary funding came from the NIH National Institute of Neurologic Disorders and Stroke. Janet, I'd like to begin with you. Could you please give us a brief overview of the history and current characteristics of the Investigational Drug Service at Johns Hopkins Hospital? Sure. Thank you, Bill. Research is a key component of our mission at Johns Hopkins Medicine. So the IDS Pharmacy, the Investigational Drug Service Pharmacy, was originated here in 1984. And at that time, the sole purpose was to support inpatient and outpatient clinical research that was conducted by our investigators here at the Johns Hopkins Hospital, the Johns Hopkins University, and the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. Today, IDS has grown substantially. We have 12 pharmacists and four pharmacy technicians that are providing support to approximately 550 clinical trials. So in addition to the coordinating center pharmacy activities that we support, the staff is also providing protocol development consultation. We provide protocol management, inventory management, preparation of investigational drugs, um, I have one pharmacist who's dedicated to international study support, and we are also involved in medication adherence and compliance counseling. Also here at Johns Hopkins Hospital, we do have some investigators that are managing their own clinical trials, and for those studies, we actually do compliance auditing. So over the years, the pharmacy has expanded in both staff and also the services that we provide in order to support our investigators and to also provide exceptional care to our patients enrolled in clinical trials. 
you know, you, you, your article conveys a sense of the immense complexity of multi-center international clinical trials. And I'm curious, was your uh, service involved in other studies of this magnitude before CLEAR-3? The Investigational Drug Service was involved in other trials, but not to the magnitude of the CLEAR-3 trial. So this particular investigator, Dr. Hanley, um, I actually have been working with him on some of his trials for over 10 years now. So prior to the CLEAR-3 trial, the Investigational Drug Service supported a trial that was we referred to as CLEAR-IVH trial. And this study was designed to investigate the optimum dose and dose frequency of using recombinant tissue plasminogen activator to safely and effectively treat intraventricular hemorrhage patients. This study was initiated in 2004. It was conducted on a much smaller scale. So at that time, we had 20 sites, and the sites were in the US and Canada. This trial required enrollment of a relatively small number of participants. So at that time, the total participant enrollment was 52, and the trial was completed in 2008. So as we move forward to CLEAR-3, the CLEAR-3 enrollment goal was 500 participants, which required more sites in order to meet the enrollment goal within the designated duration of the trial. So the Coordinating Center Pharmacy support has evolved over time to meet the needs of the investigators. Janet, in general, to what extent are academic research organizations, such as uh, the Division of Brain Injury Outcomes at Johns Hopkins, involved as clinical coordinating centers for major clinical trials? Well, here at Johns Hopkins, since 1999, the Brain Injury Outcomes Division, which we refer to as BIOS, has coordinated federally funded and industry-sponsored trials on an international scale across a wide range of neurologic conditions. So BIOS utilizes internal pharmacy services, pathology, radiology, and collaborates with international investigative product distributors. They also work with commercial research organizations, software developers, and others that are needed to support the conduct of clinical trials. So BIOS developed a consortium of nearly, I think it's about 100 international clinical sites. And this compares to a commercial CRO that typically provide operational services for pharmaceutical companies and primarily focus on an academic research organization such as BIOS to provide recruitment, retention, statistical leadership, and data management. And usually this is for non-industry funded trials. So the academic research organizations put greater emphasis on collaboration among multiple organizations versus what is usually done by the commercial CROs. Okay, that explains it. Thank you. Esther, let me turn to you. Uh, the focus of your article is on the work of the Johns Hopkins Investigational Drug Service as the coordinating center pharmacy for the CLEAR-3 trial. Are there any particular ad advantages associated with an institution's in-house pharmacy 
serving as the coordinating center of pharmacy for an academic research organization. Coordinating center pharmacies in academic institutions have experience and expertise to manage the investigational product through their long-standing research experience. For example, as Janet mentioned before, we currently manage about 550 protocols. This kind of experience helps us to understand clinical study site operations and challenges. I think pharmacies can add a great value when developing pharmacy manual for the research protocol. Secondly, having the coordinating center pharmacy and the coordinating center in the same institution and having a close academic collaboration allows the sharing of a common culture and goals for high research quality and ethics. This assists communication and integration between the coordinating center and the pharmacy. Additionally, coordinating center has the opportunity to include the coordinating center pharmacy only in the design of the trial, manual of operations, and standards of procedures, the electronic systems, and the choice of suppliers, budgeting, and the workflow of investigational product from start to finish. This can benefit the trial for efficient operations. Mm -hmm. Janet, I wonder if I could ask you to just maybe expand on this a little bit. If we think about uh, academic research organizations that are serving as uh, coordinating centers for clinical research, how common is it for the in-house pharmacy to serve as the coordinating center pharmacy for uh, such research? Hmm, Bill, that's a good question. I do not know the exact number of pharmacies that are operating as coordinating center pharmacies. I can tell you that institutional support and the pharmacy workforce capacity to operate as a coordinating center pharmacy would be key components to success. Through ASHP Connect and other forms of communication, I've received a lot of inquiries from our colleagues around the country about opportunities for pharmacists in this role, and some of them are just searching for information to figure out what we provided and how we were able to provide those services. So even though I don't know the exact numbers, I would believe or assume that some of the academic research organizations do use their own in-house pharmacies and some of them probably contract with outside organizations in order to provide those services. I know here at Johns Hopkins, we participate in a few multi-center trials that are supported by in-house investigational drug service pharmacies and you know we've been in contact with them but I don't know the exact number across the country of the US academic medical centers sure well Esther uh, coming back to you could you give us a sense of some of the key uh, specific responsibilities of the coordinating center pharmacy for the clear three study sure uh, we were responsible for overall investigational product management and general oversight of study drug-related matters. First of all, supply management was the big part of our pharmacy's responsibilities. We made sure that sufficient study drug was available at coordinating center 
and participating sites during the conduct of a study. We had sent more than 500 domestic and international shipments over five years. We were closely working with the manufacturer and the in-country distributor for international sites. We were also involved with the labeling complied with the requirements, tracking expiration dates, and managing temperature excursion. Second, education and training were essential part to the conduct of a study and required for study-wide quality assurance. We developed and provided education to the site pharmacists through a pharmacist training module on the study website. We also offered a webinar when necessary to provide updated information on drug preparations and provided ongoing re-education due to protocol changes. We also developed pharmacy manuals, study-specific documents, and drug accountability logs. Third, pharmacy had an important role to manage unblinded information and to prevent the unblinding of the blinded step. CLEAR-3 was a double-blind randomized trial. Only coordinating center pharmacy and site pharmacists were unblinded to treatment assignment. We addressed the immediate concerns regarding the study drug without unblinding the coordinating center. Also, the pharmacist provided blinded information, the DSMB, Data Safety Management Board, for periodic review for efficacy and safety analysis. Fourth, we performed quality assurance monitoring, ensuring compliance with institutional, state, federal, and in this case, international regulations regarding investigational product procurement and storage. We collected and maintained documentations for invoices, receipt records of the site, study drug-related certificates from the manufacturer, temperature excursion reports and reviews, randomization reports, drug destruction records, and site drug destruction policies. Janet and I were the main coordinating center pharmacists for these responsibilities. The hours committed to these roles by both of us were approximately equivalent to 0.5 FTE. We did not hire another staff. Existing resources were put to support these roles. Janet, um, you know, we referred to commercial contract research organizations uh, a few moments ago. Uh, how are these pharmacy functions typically handled when one of the commercial uh, firms coordinates a clinical trial? Well, I think the, the major difference between the coordinating center functions that we performed here as a pharmacy and a commercial contract resource organization is resources that are available. As you can imagine, the commercial contract research organizations tend to have extensive resources to support clinical trials. So we can provide the same services, but let me give you an example. We provide services such as, you know, drug procurement, supply chain management, blinding of the drug, drug packaging and distribution. And each of these is provided by the commercial contract resource organizations at a cost that is substantially more than what we would charge as a coordinating center activity. So for example, a commercial contract research organization would have a dedicated supply chain 
division or dedicated supply chain staff that are very experienced in distribution worldwide. And in some cases, they may have a global depot network to assist with distribution as compared to the services that we provided. <laughs> as Esther mentioned, the staff um, basically was the IDS staff. And even though the staff are well-versed in how to package and distribute drug, we did have to get references from the manufacturer of the drug and just reach out and gather information from many people to assure that we were shipping drug and packaging drug appropriately. Um, another example would be for the European sites. There is a requirement to have certification of the investigational product by what they call a QP, which is a qualified person, prior to that drug being used for the clinical trial. So a QP is a professional that has qualifications in chemistry, pharmacy, or microbiology and also has technical knowledge and experience in the pharmaceutical in industry. So you can see this is a well-rounded person. The person that we communicated with most of the time was a pharmacist. With the commercial contract research organizations, they would usually have this person on their staff to fulfill this role. For the CLEAR-3 trial, we had to contract with a QP, a qualified person, in the UK to provide the certification services force for the study. So there are a lot of differences between a commercial contract research organization and what the in-house or IDS services can provide. I mean, the outcome is the same, but you know, you can see the difference in resources and depth of personnel that the commercial companies have. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the CLEAR-3 study specifically, uh, Esther. Uh, what would you say were the key challenges you faced uh, as the coordinating center for, uh, pharmacy for this trial? I think there were a number of challenges acting as a coordinating center pharmacy for CLEAR-3. Long learning curves to understand the international laws and regulations, extended working hours, troubleshooting concerns or delays of domestic and international shipments, communicating with foreign regulatory agencies and pharmacies, communicating protocol changes to the site, maintaining the blinding of the study drug, and language barriers with international pharmacy personnel, to name a few. One of the biggest challenges was that, as Janet just mentioned now, we had limited experience and knowledge with global requirements in distribution compared to the commercial clinical trial supply service companies. No systematic training currently exists to develop the roles of the coordinating center pharmacists other than on the job training or previous experiences. For example, to ship the uh, investigational product to Israel required not only import license regulatory approval and invoice, but also certification of non-dangerous goods for temperature monitoring device that in the case that the device is not explosive. Also, the labeling of the kits had to be in Hebrew. Speaking of Hebrew, we received many emails with 
other languages such as German, Hungarian, Portuguese, etc. So Janet and I became good friends with a Google Translator. <laughs> but it was not 100% reliable for translations. And also we had in-house translators that could be assessed uh, if needed. Bill, if I could just add on and I guess comment to what Esther just said. That sure. this was a time <laughs> where we wish, you know, pharmacists had um were bilingual or actually had expertise in several different languages because the language barrier was a major challenge for us. And it at times it added to delays of getting information back because, you know, I would be sent emails in Hebrew and then I'd have to get somebody to translate that in order to get a reply back to the pharmacist in Israel. So from time to time, there were a lot of things that came up where language was one of our biggest challenges just in communicating within what we would normally do for, you know, U.S. sites to make sure that our communication was within a certain time frame. Right, right. Well, uh, Esther and Janet, uh, really like your response here because you've given us, again, uh, uh, a sense of the immense complexity of a, a trial, international trial of this nature. Um, sort of in that same uh, vein, Esther, uh, given the, uh, that this was a multinational study, uh, do you have any observations about the roles of pharmacists in uh, your participating sites outside of the United States? Um, I think in general, the research pharmacies at participating sites outside of the U.S understand the responsibilities of maintaining drug accountability logs, storage requirements, and compliance of local regulations. The pharmacy manual for CLEAR 3 was the guideline for the pharmacists in participating sites. However, we were aware that pharmacy practice globally has much in common, but there are also many differences. For example, in the U.S., we have USP 797 standards for compounding sterile products. The study drug for the CLEAR-3 trial required sterile compounding of the drug in syringes. When training the pharmacists, it became very clear that our written procedures for drug preparation had to be revised to incorporate the practice standards of international sites. There were also operational concerns. In some international sites, the drug is prepared by healthcare providers outside of the pharmacy, which created challenges to maintain the blind of the study. And in some cases, they were eliminated the site from participating in the trial. Some sites did not provide 24-7 pharmacy services, which limited patient enrollment and require the development of creative drug administration schedules to assure that all doses were administered in compliance with the study protocol. We had limited knowledge of local regulations governing pharmacy of the participating sites. Uh, our experience expanded our knowledge of pharmacy practice globally as well as international regulations. I see. <laughs> Very interesting. I'd like both of you to comment on the following point. I'm curious if there were any, or if there are any special incentives for the pharmacy department at Johns Hopkins Hospital to serve as a coordinating center pharmacy in clinical trials such as CLEAR-3. Esther, would you like to start with that? 
Sure. Uh, Bill, that is a very good question. Uh, we became involved with the coordinate standard pharmacy role uh, per Dr. Henry's request, who is the principal investigator uh, for the for the Clear Three. By creative use of the currently existing resources, we were able to contribute to multi-center international level research. And throughout this process, we had a great deal of learning experiences that enriched our skill set. We continue to act as a coordinating center pharmacy for another trial called MISTI-3 with BIOS. I think this gives us an opportunity to broaden the spectrum of the services that uh, our investigational drug pharmacy can provide. Well, Janet, I'd be particularly interested in what you might add uh, in your, you know, given your perspective as the director of the investigational drug service, perhaps commenting a bit on some of the financial aspects as well. Absolutely. I think, you know, Esther did a good job, and I think one of the main um, benefits or incentives for us participating as a coordinating center was that it provided growth and development for the staff. Um, but on the other hand, there was also financial incentives. So in academic medical centers, most of the investigational drug centers are set up as a designated cost center. So our expectation here at Johns Hopkins is that we cover expenses for our services that we provide. So in doing that, we create budgets for the investigators for the services the pharmacies provide. So in this case, with Clear 3 and acting as a coordinating center, there were a lot more opportunities for us to be involved in providing service, which also led to opportunities for us to financially expand what we would normally receive from the clinical trial. So for example, um, Esther and I spent several, several, several hours training and educating staff pharmacists, you know, within the U.S. as well as internationally. So that gave us an opportunity to add additional fees to our budget for education and training. We spent quite a bit of time monitoring the sites remotely. And again, there was an opportunity also for us to bill for hours for when we had to review drug accountability logs. We were also involved in reviewing temperature monitoring data for the sites and dealing with any temperature excursions that were experienced at any of the sites or during shipping of the drug. So due to our expanded opportunities for services that were provided, it also did benefit us financially. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, this has been a very good discussion, and um, as we conclude it, uh, I'd like to know, are there any additional thoughts you would like to share with AJHP Voices listeners uh, about your work in the CLEAR 3 study? Esther? Sure. Uh, it was very rewarding to collaborate with pharmacists, investigators, and research teams nationally and globally to support clinical research as a coordinating center pharmacy. I think coordinating center pharmacy adds value and plays an important role in overall conduct of the trial and investigational product management to ensure high-quality care for study participants and clinical trial integrity. It is unclear what the demand is for coordinating center pharmacies at this point. However, I hope our article helps pharmacists understand the roles, 
processes, advantages, and challenges of the coordinating center pharmacy. I also hope it stimulates discussion of providing the niche service, such as coordinating center pharmacy, to support the multi-center international clinical research. Well, I think the article is just excellent, and it will certainly uh, meet those objectives, I, I believe. Uh, Janet, is there anything you would add? Well, I think Esther has done a great job at explaining some of the challenges that we dealt with with the trials, some of the opportunities for us, and I would have to agree that our interaction on an international level provided lots of opportunities for the staff to not only provide services, but also to understand our colleagues around the world. We talk about, you know, global economy and expansion of not only, you know, pharmacy practice in different countries, but that is a focus for many, many businesses within the United States. So it was very important for us to have that opportunity and to learn from our colleagues around the world. This has been a discussion with Dr. Ji Yun Esther Jun and Janet Mighty of the Investigational Drug Service at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. We've been discussing their AJHP article entitled Participation of a Coordinating Center Pharmacy in a Multi-Center International Study. For AJHP Voices, this is William Zelmer. Thank you for listening. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes, please visit www.ajhp.org.